This is the Hofstra Radio Alumni Audio Yearbook. Today is July 20th, 2022. Please tell us your name and the years you were at Hofstra Radio. My name is Kenny Conrad, and I was at Hofstra Radio from 2016 to 2020. Okay. Uh, What titles or positions did you have at the station? I held um, a position of station manager on the executive board, as well as the producer of Islanders Radio, and I was also technical assistant sports director. Okay. Um, What shows or programs did you work on at WRHU? Yeah, so a lot of the the shows and programming I worked on was um, in the sports department, so um, I was most heavily involved, I would say, with New York Islanders broadcasts. but I also got involved from a technical perspective as well as on air with um, Hofstra men's and women's basketball, softball, and baseball. Those were pretty much the four Hofstra sports that I did the most work with on air. Um, And then occasionally I would host the locker room as well as, um, you know, a couple different like professional sports talk shows that we had at the time that I think have since been, you know, renamed or rebranded. Okay. Did you do any music programs? Did you do any weekend programs, any uh, public affairs programs? Yeah, I also um, I helped out quite a bit with um, Basha on Sundays, the polka show, as well as um, Eileen's Long Ireland show on Saturday. Okay, very good. Did you use your own name on the air? Did you have any nicknames or uh, aliases? No, I pretty much went by Kenny the whole time, which I, I guess can be considered my alias because <laughs> my real name is Kenneth. So, <laughs> Okay, All right, fair enough. Um, so what was it that first brought you to WRHU, and I like to ask this in tandem and see if they if they match up at all, but um, what was it that first brought you to the station? And then for those of us who weren't there at the same time, what was it like when you got there? Do you remember anybody that you met or, or anything that was going on at the time? Yeah, so I had a pretty interesting path actually to WRHU. Um, I started out um, when I was a junior in high school, I went to a Hofstra sports broadcasting camp and um, I worked with Kevin Dexter and Keith Arizari, um and some of the guys over there, Dan Savarino. Um, and, you know, I, I really enjoyed my experience there. Um, and I kind of all along wanted to become a sports broadcaster. So what happened was when, um, you know, it came time for me to apply to colleges, it was a pretty easy decision. Um, I, I kind of knew that I wanted to get involved in Hofstra's communication program, and I knew a lot about the radio station. So I sent in my application in the summer. Um, and then I interviewed with John Mullen. Um, and yeah, I mean, the rest was history from there. He pretty much, um, you know, told me kind of on the spot that I would be in the training class, um, in the fall. Um, and you know, I was really excited to get started. That was kind of, um, you know, the main reason why I really went to Hofstra. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would say that John was one of the first people that I kind of met and, you know, took me under his wing and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, so that was great. And he, I know he's done that with probably thousands of other students could tell the same story that I did, if not hundreds. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that when I got there, um, you know, they were, they were in a pretty good place. I mean, they were, um, you know, pretty deep into broadcasting Islanders hockey and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously the station had built up a great reputation at that point. And, you know, it seems like it's only continued on a, on an upward trajectory, um, and yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was just exciting to get in the training class and, you know, begin le- learning the rules and getting on air. And, um, you know, pretty quickly I ended up in on air roles with softball and lacrosse and, you know, different shows. So, um, you know, I kind of put my nose to the grindstone right away and, and got to work. I'm, I'm curious that because so many of us came in uh, at different times and in different conditions and some people walked in the door and, 
they were on the air on Saturday and other people had to go through a lot of hoops to get on the air and had to try multiple times. Um, when you got there, there's this interview process. Um, was it just a few general questions? What is, what is that like? And did you know about that in advance? I knew a little bit about, um, a little bit about the station in advance. I, I knew more the work that they did rather than kind of like the structure and how, you know, the station worked. Um, I would say that like, you know, I know in my interview, like I said to John, like, yeah, I, I want to just be like, um, you know, the lead Islanders producer one day. Like I'm a, I've been a diehard Islander fan my entire life. Like that was something that I really wanted to get involved with. And I think that along the way I picked up, you know, like getting an interest in Hofstra sports and also, um, you know, the public affairs shows, I even ended up doing, um, you know, some news broadcasts here and there. Um, so I think that like my interests kind of grew as I became involved in the station. I was like, oh yeah, I want to try that out or I would like to try that out. Um, so I, I would say that, it, you know, it kind of was um, a little bit like learning the fly in terms of all the station had to offer. I knew some things, um, but, you know, I think the training class was really helpful in, in kind of getting me up to speed there. Aside from that that summer sports camp that you attended at Hofstra, did you do radio or any sort of performance in high school? Did, did you have any experience before you got to the station? Yeah, I really had no experience um, other than just going to, um, you know, that sports broadcasting camp and, um, you know, kind of sitting at home. And I, I did a little bit of sports writing, actually, for like an Islanders blog when I was in high school, but nothing really on air outside of that camp. I, I was more or less just... Um, in high school, I, I pretty much just was on the bus at three, <laughs> three o'clock home every day. Um, I really, I think they had like a radio station or a TV program or something like that, but I never really got involved um, with it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was kind of um, just the camp that really solidified my interest in the field of communications. And I'm sure we'll talk about it a little bit later, but you know, my interest has kind of pivoted since over to PR, but um, you know, I, I kind of knew what I wanted to get involved with from that camp alone. Okay. So you have this, this good interview with, with John and you know that you're in, um, what do you remember about your training classes? What is it that, uh, maybe you got some good advice or, or something that put you in a position to succeed at the station? Yeah. Well, I, I remember trying to memorize phone numbers. That's definitely one of the things that sticks out. Um, but other than that, I would say, um, I think that, um, I, you know, I, I think that probably the best um, advice that I got in the training class, that like when I eventually became station manager and was teaching it myself, was really to just get involved in as many things as possible. I mean, I think that when you're in college, that's the best time to explore things, right? Like the, the stakes are pretty low if you, you know, go to do a position with Newsline and you don't want to become a news anchor or you go to do something in sports and you decide you don't like that rather than trying it when you're 24 and you just started a job, but you have to leave because you hate it. Um, so I think that the best piece of advice that I got was just the station has a ton of different things to offer in terms of networking and on-air programming and, you know, board op producing and, you know, the list goes on and on and just, you know, take advantage of as much of all that as possible, right? Like it was all free. It was just a matter of, you know, how much commitment and how much time you want to put towards it. And, um, you know, that's something that I passed on to a lot of people, um, you know, when I'd interview them for the training class or just in the class itself is that like, you know, you, you may not think that you may think you really want to be a sports broadcaster, but you know, there's a whole other side of broadcasting that you can get involved with. And a lot of people end up switching to when they get in the field. 
Um, so, you know, you never know. And I think that it's good to try everything out and be as diverse as possible coming out of college. Um, so I, I think that that was a major key for me. That's good advice. Now, the key question is, since you spent so much energy memorizing those phone numbers, <laughs> do you remember any of them? You don't have to say them on air. Do you remember them? Oh, God. Well, I remember they were all 516-489, I think. Okay. Uh, um, but other than that, I know one ended in WRHU okay. right. on, the, on the keypad. So it, it, some of it stuck with me. <laughs> All right. Very good. Um, so once you get through the the training program, is there a process to get cleared to be on the air, either as an engineer or announcing or doing both at the same time? Do you remember anything about that? Yeah. when I remember when um, we went over and during the training class, there was like a different times that we could set up for an announcing clearance, um, which I anyone who's listening to this that graduated Hofstra Radio, I advise you to go back and listen to that if you still have it. I think it's hilarious for everyone. Um, but anyway, I, I think that, yeah, that was during the, the training class as well as like an engineering workshop. Um, and both were really, you know, really helpful. And, um, I remember I, I cleared on the first time for each, which was really nice, but I remember going in and, you know, being so nervous and it, it was funny because, you know, like the people, I can't remember exactly who did my announcing and engineering clearances, but you know, I mean, those people become your friends after a certain amount of time. So, um, you know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting dynamic. And, you know, I I just remember, you know, really wanted to make sure I got those right so I can just begin, um, you know, my work at the station. Cool. So if, if you remember the specific instance, that's great. Um, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm always curious about people's first time on the air. Um, and if you don't remember the specific instance, do you remember what it felt like? Were you excited? Were you nervous? What maybe what program you were working on? Do you have any memories of that? Yeah, I, for some reason, um, like doing sports updates sticks out as being my first time on the air, like a pre-recorded sports update. It may have been on like the morning show or you know in between um, a segment at a uh, of like a you know like one of our other like sports talk shows, but. Yeah, I mean, I remember definitely being pretty nervous, um, you know, going into it just because the, you know, when when you start out at the station, you know, it has such a high reputation and high standards compared to what you may hear on other college radio stations. Um, and, you know, you, you don't want to drag that down in any way. Like you want to, you know, make sure you um, are continuing to keep that standard high and also maybe even, you know, building on that standard. So I think that that's where kind of the nerves came in and, you know, just trying to impress, you know, the, the people who were making the decisions about who goes on site and who gets, you know, improved roles as, you know, hosts and all those kinds of things. I, I think that that was kind of probably the biggest driving force and, um, you know, me being a little nervous. Um, but overall, I would say, you know, I, I think doing the, the sports broadcasting camps in high school made me comfortable enough where I was like, you know, I can do this. Like, I know I, I can get on air and, um, you know, perform pretty well. So, um, I think that that was probably, you know, an interesting position to be in because, um, you know, I, I definitely felt like I could do it. And, you know, people had seen the work that I had started to do when I was, you know, doing like engineering and stuff and they trusted me, but it was just a matter of, you know, building on that trust. Hmm. Um, do you remember anybody that you worked with, uh, or was in the, those early classes with you that you were getting on the air with about the same time, or maybe anybody who gave you some instruction in those classes? Yeah, I think that, um, you know, somebody who really sticks out to me as somebody who mentored me early on, um, just because our interests were so aligned. Well, I would say there's two people, actually. Um, Connor Giblin was the sports director at the time I came out of the training class. And 
um, you know, after I did one of my first updates, it might've even been the one I was just talking about. I remember him sitting me down in um, what was the mixing site. I don't know if it's still called that anymore, but he sat me down in there um, and he showed me, you know, just like some different, um, you know, clips of, you know, the update I had done and gave me some pointers and, you know, they were really helpful. Um, and also I would say on the Islander side of things, when I came out of the training class, Dan Hansen was the producer that season. I guess it was the 2016-17 hockey season. Um, and we talked through, um, you know, like my role there and how I can get to his position. Like, I, I think one of my first goals meetings, I said to him, I was like, listen, like, I really want to be you one day. And he kind of helped me lay out a plan to get there, um, which ended up being successful, which was awesome. But I would say Dan and Connor were probably two of the most like influential um, people on just the work I did in the sports department over the years. So do you remember any of those early games working on that where you, uh, you know, I don't necessarily know the layout of things you talked about, you know, doing updates and then are there people who are live at the game? How does, mm -hmm. how does that work? And, and how did you get introduced to doing that? Yeah. So, um, I think my, you know, the first couple games, typically you would start out as like an assistant engineer. Um, so you're just kind of an extra set of hands. You're watching, learning, um, you know, if something happens and they need an extra person, you're kind of there as a, as a backup. Um, and you're just really learning the layout of the land because Islanders broadcasts were, were, and I think are still pretty complicated in that there's two studios that get used at all times because, um, you know, WRHU will run its, its programming. And then we also syndicate that programming over to, um, you know, ESPN radio, or at the time, I think it was WFAN, whoever our commercial partners are. And then those their commercials get plugged into the game broadcast. So um, it's a pretty complicated process. So, you know, you start out as an assistant engineer, just kind of understanding the lay of the land. And then pretty quickly, I remember getting moved over to cutting highlights. And that was actually pretty funny. They used to have this, uh, we used to have this, oh, man, I can't remember the name of it, but it was like a white board. And you basically just spun a knob to go back on the recording and clipped it and you really there was no digital part of it like you were just basically looking at timestamps to cut out clips and um that only lasted about a year in but that was that was an interesting thing to learn how to use it was very counterintuitive um but that those were like the earliest two positions and then eventually you get moved up to engineer and producer and then um on site which i ended up i guess it was my sophomore year was the first time i ended up going on site do you remember a moment early on, whether it's with the Islanders broadcast or something else, where where you did something really well or it went better than you expected, and you're like, "Yeah, this is this is it. I'm I'm feeling pretty good about this." Yeah, I, I think that probably the first time I felt that with Islanders was um, engineering the board in Studio South, which is kind of the it's the main position where you're interacting with the crew on site. Um, who's broadcasting, you're also, um, you know, plugging in the commercials for WRHU. And I remember doing, when you were an engineer assist, eventually you got to a point where they would say, okay, like do the second period. Like we'll, the engineer will stand over you, you do the commercials and all the broadcasts for the second period. And I remember um, actually going through and, you know, engineering a successful second period. And I was like, well, you know, everyone says that's the hardest position here and it's something you need to master to move up. And um, you know, once I had done a period, I felt like, okay, I can do a game now. And that kind of evolved into, you know, engineering the third period and post game. And then all of a sudden you're back there for a full game. So I remember pretty vividly actually doing that one successful period and being like, okay, you know, I, I think I can do this. And, 
Um, that kind of unlocks the door to becoming a producer in studio and then eventually going to be a locker room reporter at the game and morning skate and all those kinds of things. That's got to be a very good feeling, um, you know, whether it was back in my day when we're, we're doing patch cords and telephone lines or, or yeah. when you're doing it to have that successful feeling and go like, oh, wow, I did that. That's really out there. That's that's got to be a cool feeling. Yeah, it is. It's a good feeling. Um, I remember we had actually my first one of my first games producing. It was opening night of the Islanders season in 2017, 18, I want to say. And it was the year before I was the I was in charge, like the full producer working with the commercial stations. But I was like the secondary producer in South for opening night in 2017. And I remember that the ISDN on opening night dropped. Speaking of old technology, dropped mm-hmm. in Studio South. And <laughs> we had to it was always a scramble to plug the numbers back in and you know get them back up on the air. So that was definitely one of my biggest like crises moments, I would say. And it was my first game as producer, but that was probably another moment where you know I solved it pretty quickly and effectively and felt like, okay, like I understand what to do here. I feel like I can do this and you know do it at the highest role or in the biggest role. So um, yeah, that was just a funny memory that came to mind. Yeah, it's nice when you have that initial success and you and you feel pretty good about it. And then there's the moment where the thing doesn't go right or, you know, the plan doesn't happen and you have to kind of scramble and rely on your training and and your instincts to figure it out. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that's the biggest thing is, you know, especially in a live game broadcast, like you really need to, you know, be kind of on it. And it's just a matter of understanding everything in the studio and um you know, kind of troubleshooting problems almost before they happen and understanding, you know, what might go wrong. Um, And that's something I think that I was, I was pretty successful at. And, you know, the the other interesting part is I mentioned that I was technical assistant sports director at one point, like I really went to the station wanting to be in an on-air role and, you know, the technology always kind of came second, but I felt like it came very easily to me for some reason. And it was something I never expected to really, master or even really be that great at but you know i i ended up you know working with all the um you know the sports department on you know sending out all the remote equipment helping to troubleshoot problems on site um and all those kinds of things so that was interesting and you know that kind of came along the way and but i I think it's important especially um you know if you want to get into the radio field um you know to just kind of have that baseline knowledge at least to start out I think that goes back to what you said before about being open to all kinds of possibilities yeah. and opportunities and, and just sort of accepting that. So it sounds like in terms of, of the, the broadcast and the technical aspect, it sounds like you, you felt pretty comfortable right away. Is that is that fair to say? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, I've always been somebody who is not afraid to fail. And, and I think that, um, you know, sometimes people – that come into the radio station may have a ton of potential, but they're afraid to fail. And, you know, I, I think that you really can't be, um, cause at the end of the day, you know, it, it is a college radio station and, you know, mistakes are going to happen. Um, and that's how you can kind of keep hold back your own growth, I would say, um, you know, to some extent. So I think, yeah, it came pretty easily, but I, I think it was also just being confident enough to say, you know what, if, if things go wrong here, right. You know, I messed something up. Like, I won't be the first and I won't be the last to do it. And I think that more people could also benefit from that advice. Do you think you felt pretty comfortable socially at the station? Did you did you make friends pretty quickly? Was there anybody from that summer sports camp that you went to that wound up at the station? 
Yeah, there actually were a few from the um, the summer sports camp that ended up there. I know like Kyle Byrne, Michaela Cruciani, and um, Julia Esposito were a couple that were in my training class, um, actually, that I had attended some of the camps. So, so that was really helpful because um, it was funny. I was actually just telling this story the other day that I was a commuter to Hofstra. Um, I live pretty locally, like 20 minutes away. Um and I remember going to my first day of like the Hofstra, like campus wide orientation and being like, wow, like this sucks. I, I don't know how I'm going to make any friends at Hofstra. Like mm-hmm. it's difficult to be a commuter student and make friends in college because people have their friends in dorms and, um, you know, things like that. But I, I felt like I really just kind of became friends with people at radio almost naturally within a few weeks of the training class. And then it only kind of grew and, and blossomed from there. So yeah, I mean, it, it was also a great social outlet. Like I, there are probably about 10 to 15 people um, that either graduated a year before me, below me, with me, that I'm still regularly very close with and, you know, really good friends. So that was awesome, you know, and I think that that's something that, um, you know, is whether you go into radio or not is kind of a lasting thing, you know, is that you're you're in a club where you're interacting with people constantly who are, you know, have the same interests as you and, um, you know, can, can all kind of, um, you know, speak to the same, speak to the same things and, you know, want to get involved with all the same kinds of games and um, you're kind of in it together. So that's another, another aspect of the radio station that I think can't be overlooked. You talked about uh, John Mullen a little bit. Um, I know there are a lot of professionals uh, and, and mentors and community people who work with the students quite a bit. Was there anybody, uh, who was, uh, gave you good advice or was just, just helpful or, or friendly, uh, in helping you get started at the station? Yeah. I mean, I, I can't say enough about John. Um, you know, I, just to start, I mean, I, I think that there is no one, um, you know, and this is not a knock on anyone else at all, but there's no one that, um, cares more about, the students that are in the station at the time and um, you know, your professional development than John, like he, I mean, he still regularly reaches out and, you know, we'll chat and I've been gone for two and a half years now, um, you know, to see how my career is going. And he just gave me such priceless advice, um, you know, career advice and um, you know, also just life advice. Like he's, he, I advise anyone who's at the radio station to just soak up as much as you can from him on both like a radio side, but also just a practical side um, John's great. And then, you know, I mean, I, I obviously have to mention, um, you know, Bruce Avery as well, like the work that he's done and I know he's coming up, um, on retirement soon, but the work that he's done, um, not only just to, you know, for all the students that have come through, but also just to build up the reputation of the radio station. And, you know, something that sticks out to me about Bruce and John is just how selfless they are. Um, you know, I, I think that there's no ego or, you know, motivation for them other than creating the best opportunities for the students um, and, you know, creating the best reputation for the radio station, not so that they can pat themselves on the back, but so that the students can graduate and, you know, say they left something that they were really proud of. Like I, that, that's not the case in most higher academic places. That's not the case in most professional places. It's not the case in life really that people are like that, you know, um, they're, they're incredible. I, I can't speak enough good things about them. Um, and then also, you know, Pete Silverman, um, was, you know, always incredible with his on-air advice. 
Um, and also just, you know, his experience working at MSG was also, you know, extremely impactful, um, you know, in the work that we did. And also, um, you know, Ed Ingalls, um, I overlapped a little bit with him during my freshman year. Um, but the work that he did to kind of make Hofstra Radio into a big deal, um, you know, and just having his, you know, name recognition involved with the station um, and all that he did to mentor people. I, I can't speak to it as well as I'm sure people who graduated five, 10 years before me. Um, but, you know, I mean, the work that he did is obviously, you know, speaks for itself. So those would be the main four. Um, but again, I, I can't say enough good things about Bruce and John. Hmm. Um, this last question is is meant for the benefit of hindsight. And some of us have been out of the station a little bit longer than others. So I don't know how this this will will work for you. But um, without the benefit of, you know, your years and your experience at the station, um, can you go back to what it felt like as a freshman, either going into that interview with John or showing up for the training classes or, or even just anticipating going to Hofstra? Um, what did you hope WRHU would, would be for you and what did it turn out to be? Yeah. So, I mean, I think at the end of the day, like the feeling going into all of it was the excitement about the opportunity that was in front of me. Um, you know, I, I was not someone who really enjoyed my high school um, that I went to for a variety of reasons, but I was excited for kind of like a fresh start and also just to really become focused on, you know, a career and what I was going to do moving forward. And, you know, I, I swore up and down that I would become a sports broadcaster one day and I, I would be, you know, either like a, a radio host or, you know, doing play by play um, for, you know, whatever sport really would hire me. <laughs> but, um, so that was kind of my hope for the station was to really get like that professional development, um, out of that. And it's funny because what it became, um, you know, I, I switched majors actually to public relations, uh, after my sophomore year. And I, I graduated with a degree in PR. Um, but what it became was an incredible area for me for both networking opportunities and also just to learn like crucial leadership roles, um, you know, and leadership skills that I think are timeless and can be applied to any industry because, you know, while I was there, um, John was able to help through the, our connection with the Long Island Nets. He was able to help get me an internship um, in PR at Nassau Coliseum, working with the Long Island Nets. That was after my sophomore year. And once I got that first internship, it kind of got the ball rolling for me and I ended up um, interning at an agency. I ended up also interning at um, NBC News. And then finally, my senior year, um, I was a Knicks PR intern for the whole season. And that's actually still a part-time job that I hold today. I work game nights with the Knicks. Um, so I think, you know, when I went in, I, I was looking for professional development, on-air development and on-air opportunities. And what it eventually turned into was a great outlet where I learned, you know, how to lead a group of people, how to lead a meeting, um, you know, how to, um, you know, manage multiple tasks at once and things like that, but also just an incredible place to network um, because, because of the work in Bruce and John, you know, they, they get you in these settings where, um, you know, college students don't always belong, right? Like at the Associated Press Awards or, um, at the Marconi Awards, you know, you're, you're with hundreds of industry professionals and, you know, John always preaches to be seen as a professional and that's, that's how, what you want. Um, and I, I think that that was something that was pretty priceless for me. Even, um, you know, in 2020, I accepted the, was it 2020 to 2019, I accepted the Marconi Award, um, 
for radio, college radio station of the year. And Bruce and John sent me up to give, um, you know, the speech in front of a room of probably four or 500 radio professionals. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier about their egos being non-existent because I had, you know, my, my role in making the station successful pales in comparison to theirs. Um, but they sent me up to give the speech. And those are just kind of the kinds of opportunities where regardless of where your career takes you after college, um, those are all things that you can kind of take away and um, that I don't think are available, um, you know, in other college clubs and frats and sororities and things like that. So um, those kinds of priceless, I guess, soft skills are something that, you know, I still carry with me to this day. Kenny, thank you so much for sharing these stories. This has been uh, really a lot of fun getting to know about your time at Hofstra Radio, and uh, we're going to work on some more questions, and uh, I know that you have a lot more stories to tell about your time at WRHU. Great. Thanks so much, Brian. Yeah, I, I would love to, you know, anytime um, you're looking for a guest or, you know, for some stories, um, I, I have plenty of plenty of stories and plenty of good things to say. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks.